after a decade-long hiatus, it's BG and the Coach. Podcast is finally back with you as always. It's my buddy BG, and I am the Coach. BG, what's happening? Coach, it is so nice to hear that silky smooth voice of yours after so long away from the mics. Our backs might be a little bit creakier. Our vision may be a little bit blurrier, but it is good to be back in the saddle. BG and the Coach, 10 years later, we're coming back at you. 10 years. So we were a campus radio station show that was moderately successful in that more than our parents tuned in to listen to it. And which, which is historically successful for those <laughs> yeah, who don't know. I think there's a plaque still up on <laughs> campus to commemorate that fact. And then we go 10 years with nothing. Uh, fortunately, nothing happened that's really worth having a podcast over. So we're good there. Until uh, until now, we pulled it back together. I had kept my vocal cords wrapped up in a warm scarf and drank a lot of tea uh, throughout the past decade, just in case this were to happen. Uh, but BG, how do we explain what, what's this podcast really trying to get at? Well, I, I think the best way to explain it, and I know after the, the change.org petition garnered millions of signatures <laughs> that we're probably speaking to a crowd that already knows what we're about. But I think what really differentiated BG and the coach 10 years ago, which seems really crazy now, is we were sort of at the forefront of this idea behind the intersectionality of pop culture and sports, which Mm -hmm. again, sounds crazy now because that's pretty much every podcast you could hope to turn on. But when we were doing this 10 years ago, that was sort of a, a radical idea. And you'd think we'd maybe switch it up 10 years later, but no, that's sort of our bread and butter. I, uh, I I just remember the first few shows that we did were, I would describe them as intensely sports focused. We did everything short of take box scores and statistics and break them down from the local paper. And for that, I don't even think our parents tuned in. I think even they were <laughs> against it. Um, but then that's that evolved over time, getting to your point about let's bring up the stories people actually want to hear that maybe aren't talked about on 5,000 other shows. Well, I think it was a good learning experience for us. Like you said, we had a sports show and we sort of assumed that with a sports show, we should really go into the weeds with sports and into the weeds. We went and I could have told you everything you wanted to know about every football game on the schedule. And like you said, when you're getting feedback from your dad of I actually fell asleep at minute seven, so maybe switch things up. That's when I think we realized we need to talk about things that are sports related, but are actually going to be entertaining for people to hear about. And thankfully, I think it was you, Coach, who had the idea maybe three episodes in, we need to, to shift focus a little bit. Yeah, that took an embarrassingly long time to really figure out. I think both of our eyes were, were glazing over at the point. And then well, I was about to be written out of the will, so I think that was sort of the <laughs> eye-opening moment for the two of us. When we weren't invited home for the holidays... <laughs> That's the final push that was needed for changing the direction of this show. And then the show's name, oh man, the show's name, we it started out so promising. I, the very first one, I think, I think the whole reason that we created the podcast was just to have, or I should say the radio show, was to have the name Athlete's Foot, which we thought was the single most clever thing anyone had ever come up with. Genius, genius idea. I also want to quickly say it's funny that you keep confusing podcast and radio show because podcasts weren't really a thing when we were doing this. And so we were really a radio show. And to your point, I really do think that was the genesis. I don't think we had this idea of doing a sports show. I think we had an idea of doing a show called Athlete's Foot. And it went from there. And we thought we were sitting on a moneymaker. 
what a crying shame that this wasn't a podcast 10 years ago. I think by default, we would have been number one on Apple's list being the only pod show podcast in existence. What an absolute crushing moment that was when we Googled the keywords athletes foot podcast only to realize that 36 other shows had already claimed that. Yeah, that would sort of be a theme for us in, in thinking the originality of, of the names was going to take us far. I will point out, thankfully, I think, again, you saved us from our second choice of jock itch, which I'm sure also <laughs> was taken by plenty of others. But I do think the name we settled on, BG and the Coach, while a lot simpler and maybe less catchy than Athlete's Foot, goes to the heart of what our show is, because I think we knew that we wanted someone named Coach. Every TV show, every sports center covering show that you would turn on, there was always someone sitting there at the anchor's desk who used to be a coach. And despite whether anyone had actually played for him, despite whether he had coached for the last 15 or 20 years, everybody referred to him as coach. And so we knew no matter what, someone on our show was going to have to be named coach. We needed an authority figure. That's what it comes down to. And I have coached four-year-old t-ball so there's definitely no i don't want to ask this is misleading at all this couldn't be more legitimate um and that's really how we settled on it i became the coach bg obviously a legal name of yours b-e-e last name g-e-e i believe yeah uh, close. we put it's those together b-e-e middle initial g last name e-e so that, that was so sort of embarrassing gimme, obviously so embarrassing. uh and then like you said if you know, since your T-ball coaching days, I certainly haven't referred to you as anything but coach. And so it just made sense as a natural show name. Yeah. And I'm on my way to changing it to that legally as well. <laughs> and from there, like once we have the name down and our names down, I mean, it really evolved from there. And we really want to bring it back at this point. There's so many good stories out there. And, you know, here's a good example of what's going on recently in the NFL there's a major trade that went down last month between the St. Louis. Oh, no, and not St. Louis Rams, the Los Angeles Rams. You know, I still, I, I still sometimes <laughs> get that confused. Uh, BG, coming from St. Louis, I'm sure doesn't mind that I messed that up. Unfortunately, um, our comeback will last one podcast episode, <laughs> but what a memorable episode it'll be. An unrecoverable rift. We didn't get past the first five minutes. <laughs> oh, low blow. <laughs> so, yeah, completely uncalled for. The Los Angeles Rams and Detroit Lions in the past month completed one of the biggest trades the NFL has seen. This is a story that was covered ad nauseum through every single news outlet. It saw Matt Stafford, quarterback of the Lions formerly, and Jared Goff, quarterback of the Rams, get traded and switch teams. Huge news. But BG and the coach we're not going to be here to rehash stories like that. You can go to any untold number of sources for that. Instead, we found what we think is the true gem of the story, which actually involves a protagonist by the name of Michael Brockers. Brockers is a defensive lineman for the Rams at the time that this trade happens. And when his quarterback, Jared Goff, who used to be on the Rams, sent to the Lions. When he gets traded, the media came to Brockers and said, wow, your quarterback just got traded. You have a new one in Matt Stafford now. Do you think this is an upgrade? <laughs> and without even a second of hesitation, Brockers came out and his exact quote was, we've leveled up. Okay. <laughs> now, all of that would be fine, except a mere few weeks later, Brockers gets traded 
to none other than the Detroit Lions, who happen to now be employing his favorite quarterback, Jared Goff, who he spoke so glowingly of just a few weeks before. That's a level down if I've ever seen one. (laughs) So this story, I mean, I can only imagine. So Brockers, the day he was traded, everyone pounced on this. And he came out and said, a BG and the coach favorite line, taken out of context. We're going to, we just need to have a segment for athletes or those even in pop culture throwing the old get out of free jail card where they took me out of context. It's such a classic. I love that idea of maybe having a segment every episode, giving our favorite taken out of context instance. I'm, I'm torn on this a little bit, coach. First of all, let me say as an aside, I think we need to bring the taken out of context to everyday life. I would love if I mess up at work or if I stroll in five minutes late and the boss man says, hey, BG, you're a little bit late today. And I go, oh, please, you're, you're taking this out of context. I don't know why we need to limit it to just verbal quotes. I think we should take it to everyday life. I am a little bit torn. Obviously, as you said, our favorite excuse is taken out of context. People overuse it for pretty much anything. This is clearly not someone who is taken out of context. We know, in fact, the exact context of both the question and the answer. I am a little torn, Coach, and I'd love to know what you think of this. I don't know where else you go, because really you've got three options if you're Mike Brockers in this case. You just never talk to Jared Goff, which seems probably not a tenable solution, given that you play for the same team now. You either just own it and say, hey, man, Mm -hmm. I was just trying to support my team. We got a new QB. I probably shouldn't have framed it that way, but I really just wanted to be supportive of Stafford. Or you go with the old standby, take it out of context. But I don't know if that works to someone's face. So I don't know if you think he should have maybe just owned it. Or you just just ride hard on that taken out of context. <laughs> so he, I mean, it was such an egregious example of playing the taken out of context card that when he joined Detroit, the media started asking him about it. And he said that the day that he went into the Lions headquarters to sign his new contract, or I guess do whatever you need to do to actually do your physical and get checked out. He said that he immediately found Goff the quarterback who he had dissed and apologized to him face to face. So it was so bad that he, he knew he couldn't go option C. There was no way. So he went with the second option and apologized to him, but we don't have any details on that conversation. And Oh, I would love to know how that went. Also, don't forget that these two guys previously played for the same team. So there may have been a friendship beforehand, which I, to me just only adds to the awkwardness of, completely trashing him one day and then having to embrace him the next. And I haven't looked at the schedule, but I hope the Lions are playing the Rams at some point because I would just love to be a fly on the wall for how that goes. (laughs) And I hope that Michael Brockers is the guy they choose to mic up. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely got to make him and Goff the team captains for the day. (laughs) Definitely, I assume Stafford as QB1 is going to be a team captain. Oh, that would be golden. Take it out of context. Take it out of context. Take it out of context. There's only one detail that would have made this story better, and it's right to your point, BG, about like, hey, are they are they good friends? They're on the same team. Do they have to deal with each other? The truth is, one's on offense, one's on defense. So even if the dynamic is beyond repair, which I think we can all agree it definitely is at this point, unless Jared Goff is the most charitable individual <laughs> in the world. But the fact that they're on offense and defense, okay, the story could have been a little bit better. If it was one of Jared Goff's receivers, a position completely and fully dependent (laughs) on their quarterback. (laughs) What are you 
do in that situation? Yeah, that would be that would be bad. You're right. That's the only thing that can make it worse. Even though we don't have that, though, I do still hope every single time Jared Goff throws an interception this season, the camera immediately pans to Michael Brockers. Because <laughs> I don't want the cookie cutter taken out of context reaction. I want the in the moment. You've got to be kidding me. I had two weeks where I had Matt Stafford as my quarterback. I can't believe this is my life. You know, when the players are on the sideline and they're studying their tablets, ostensibly to see like game footage and review plays that they were just in. I'm convinced if they cut to Brockers, he'd be on this tablet, but just looking at Rams highlights of Matt Stafford throwing the ball. So I want him, not only the camera to pan to him, I need a zoom to be able to see that on his tablet. And to your mic'd up point, maybe we would even catch it. I miss you. I miss you. <laughs> Whispering so- sweet nothing. I'm sorry about the moments we could have had. <laughs> So I was just going to say on, in terms of the receiver, I can't get over that potential scenario. I have to imagine Goff would just stare down if Brockers was a receiver, stare him down every single play, <laughs> wait until their eyes met, and that Brockers fully understood he was never getting the ball and then moved on to someone else to throw to. So essentially any QB who's ever played with Torello Owens for more than two years. <laughs> I imagine that's how that relationship pretty much always went also. And I I think that story is a perfect example of our point of we could go into the pros and cons and winners and losers of a trade, but we want to focus more on the stories that really matter. And to that point, I want to take us also to the next story. You know, baseball just started opening day at the time of this recording was only less than a week and a half ago. Baseball season in full swing. There's plenty that we could talk about. We could talk about which teams have stormed out of the gate which new free agent acquisitions or trade acquisitions look good. But I want to, again, hear BG and the coach focus in on what I think is, is the best story to come out of the baseball season so far. Coach, as you probably saw, the Chicago White Sox at their opening day, I don't know if it was their home opener or, or their opener, before the season started, they lost one of their top players, Eloy Jimenez. Now, you're probably sitting at home if you're not a baseball fan and saying, when you say the word lost... What do you mean in that context? Is, is he still with us physically? Was he just injured? And no worries, he was just injured. And I don't really know my injuries all the well. I'm not Dr. BG, but a torn pec muscle, which is what they lost Eloy Jimenez to, doesn't seem to be uh, career-threatening, if you will. But when the White Sox rolled out for their opener, they brought with them Eloy Jimenez's jersey. One of the players was carrying it as if, Forget career-threatening. It, it seemed as if he had died because they brought out his jersey. I think, if I'm not mistaken, every member of the team had signed the jersey. Mm-hmm. When they did player introductions, they held it to the sky as if they were remembering a lost friend. And then they hung it up in the dugout behind them for that game, maybe future games as well, to the point that I believe R.I.P. Eloy was trending on Twitter. <laughs> And I just hope his parents didn't see that because they would have assumed he died. This was the most over-the-top reaction to a torn pec muscle that I've ever seen. Also, what terrible timing. We're living in the day and age of COVID (laughs) right now. So, of course, his poor parents, when they saw RIP trending (laughs) on Twitter, their minds going to the worst place. But this this could not have been more over-the-top. I mean, what you're describing, I think they also had one player was holding a sleeve on either side of the fully signed jersey as they were doing the national anthem. And 
the camera throughout the game just kept panning to the jersey <laughs> hanging in the dugout in tribute. I'm all for, listen, I'm all for, you know, all about being the team. And when one of us is hurt, all of us is hurt. This maybe went a little bit too far. <laughs> just a little bit too far. I, I, I will tell you, I'm a huge baseball fan. I, I follow baseball night and day. I knew that Eloy Jimenez was injured and was going to be out. I knew the story behind it. And yet, when I saw a picture of his jersey signed and hanging in his locker before the game, mm-hmm. and I think, I think it was a tweet from the official White Sox account that says, you'll always be with us or, or something to that effect. <laughs> I knew the story and I immediately Googled to see if he was alive. Because <laughs> I assumed that between the day before and the home opener that he had passed away. His this was, so this would be for the listeners here, if coach called me up yesterday and said, I've got laryngitis, I'm going to miss the next couple episodes. And then we played memorial music for this entire podcast while I talked about coach in the past tense <laughs> and how, how much his loss is going to affect this podcast going forward. This was, this was, you want to, you want to be a, a team player and one guy's hurt. It makes a big impact. And I know that they were probably trying to go for a good look here, but this was, this was about 18 steps too far. Way too far. This I love the office. Like this is like any of you listening going to your office and someone asking, "Hey, where's uh, where's Jim? Oh, he's no longer with us." <laughs> and then waiting an hour and saying he's actually in Bermuda on vacation, um, so not here we're, right now. We're collecting a memorial fund yeah. in his honor while he's out. We have a white dress shirt of his that we'd like everyone on the team to sign. Uh, there's still some room on the collar for you if you want to get your signature on there. They, the White Sox are in a world of trouble right now because <laughs> the next guy who gets injured is going to expect the world. Take it out of context. Take it out of context. Please. Please. <laughs> Team's leadership, that's the only thing they've got to fall back on. I can't wait for two weeks from now when our weekly taken out of context segment goes right back to the story when the next guy gets hurt. I do think we should talk a little bit about college basketball specifically march madness because it did at the, again at the time of this recording just recently wrap up yeah we want to get to the heart of the news but we will talk about the trending topics too and coach i want to bring this up because i thought you had a great point when we were chatting before about not necessarily the title game but about the final four game ucla versus gonzaga yeah i mean listen everyone knows that that was the game of the tournament so i think we all agree the championship the final between Baylor and Gonzaga was a bit of a dud. But Gonzaga-UCLA in the semifinal was a wire-to-wire game that came down to the last shot in overtime where Gonzaga hit a buzzer beater. And they tore off to the scorer's table. Players jumped on top of it. And while they were me-mugging and pumping their fists and going wild, the camera panned to the audience and crowd or lack thereof. It was once again, just a stark reminder of they were gesturing at a bunch of creepy cardboard cutouts. <laughs> yeah, that's it's well, I've got two thoughts on this one huge downer for Jalen Suggs to be, I'm sure he didn't think about it in the moment, but like you said, you're so pumped up. You jump up on that scores table, you shout to the rafters and you can literally see all the way up to the rafters because there's nobody showing you the love. <laughs> I think that would be heartbreaking for pro sports. I think even more so in college sports where the fans are your fellow students and, it, and they're really part of that experience. You see it all the time with rushing the field, rushing the court. 
what a heartbreaker. I also think what a lasting indelible image that'll be for us and our generation of COVID and the impact that it had for some of those crazy big moments. The fact that, like you said, if you took a camera shot from behind him, it would just be empty and and how much of an impact that made and how much I think we might look back on that and, and think about what an impact that had. What a bizarre time this is. I always wondered, especially the onset of COVID, what would the lack of crowds do to celebrations in any sport? Because all these celebrations are geared towards, like I was saying before, like you're basically gesturing at the crowd, you're pumping up the crowd, you're staring down the crowd or hyping them up. And I wondered, like, would that everything just be toned down without that crowd? The answer has, for the most part, been no. People have powered through with just facing cardboard cutouts. And that was maybe the creepiest thing of seeing that March Madness buzzer beater is that when they did pan to the crowd, I think they had set 25% capacity for all of March Madness for these games. So there were some folks in the lower bowl of the arena, but they were dispersed throughout all of these cardboard cutouts. So when he hit the shot, you can see actual live people jumping out of their seat amongst the cutouts. And it's terrifying because it looks like the cutouts have come to life and are about to take over the court zombie style. Yeah, that'll be a nightmare that'll take years of therapy for, (laughs) I think, all sports fans during COVID. I don't know if Suggs was celebrating his shot or gesturing for security (laughs) to come help. Oh, tough time for the apocalypse to start right as you're about to head to the championship game. That's a, I do think your point is a good one about the fact that celebrations aren't toned down. I probably should have realized that when I think about the type of celebrations I would have, even if I was just shooting practice shots in my own driveway and yeah. literally there wasn't even another human being around, the type of reaction I would have for a good shot. My other favorite part about the lack of crowds and, or the fact that we have reduced crowds is how much you can pick up. When there was no crowds, it was so much easier to hear players and and the the occasional chatter that went down mm-hmm. or their reaction to plays. I almost like the reduced crowds even more because of how much an effect it has. For instance, I was watching a baseball game the other day and the home team was up and, and had a chance to make a big play. And you could hear the fans for the home team chanting, and when the batter struck out, you could literally hear an individual go, nope, which <laughs> you would never get while being at home. But when you've got 5,000 people, you really can pick up everything. And I obviously I can't wait until we've got full capacity crowds again and sports are back to normal. But I will miss being able to pick up on that lone cynical individual. Nope. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I think the person who's truly looking forward to getting full crowds back because of this issue, all the broadcasts have had to basically have their (laughs) finger hovering over the sensor button because you can hear everything on the field when there are no crowds. And uh, this may be shocking news. I think this is a BG and the coach first breaking exclusive. There's a lot of cursing going on in the middle of the game, and it is all being picked up on the mics. So who's ever responsible for having to bleep that out throughout the game is going to be thrilled to see people back in attendance. In that case, I demand that no fans attend any Detroit Lions games going forward. Because <laughs> I need to hear Mike Brockers and Jared Goff's conversations at all points in time. I love it. I love it. Listen, on that note, this is going to wrap the first episode of BG and the Coach back on the air 
back in business. We're going to be looking to do, at this point, a bi-weekly show. And so there's going to be plenty more content coming, plenty more stories to discuss. And we hope you've been able to get a little bit of a flavor for the type of content that we're going to be talking through. BG, great to be back on the air with you. Coach, same here. Glad to be back. Looking forward to future episodes. You can find us on Twitter at BG and the coach. I think the and is an ampersand, uh, if you will, which can also double as our word of the day for today. (laughs) But like coach said, wonderful to be back. We'll be putting out bi-weekly episodes and looking forward to it. Until next time, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be right back.